Welcome to the spiritual involution, and this time we're going to introduce ourselves. So who are you? Right off the bat. Who are you? That's such a preacher thing to Is say, it? actually. Who are you? Hi, I'm David Bruner. <laughs> I'm Katie Burke, and we have a lot of topics today. Can we right up front um, tell, tell folks what, what we ponder when we say involution, spiritual involution? What does that mean for you? It means to me that, in a nutshell, let's work on ourselves before we try to fix the world. <laughs> so hmm. let's get inside our own souls, our own hearts, and um, through that process, like if you could imagine everybody doing that, I think the world would just innately become a better place because we've all done that searching. And a lot of the things that are, let's say, not perfect in the world um, tend to come from people not being secure, I think, in who they are, ultimately, if you dig deep enough, right? Sure. So maybe that that's how I took involution, as a way to evolve outwardly as a human race. We have to involve personally on a level that's higher. You totally triggered that for me. Um, uh, evolution is part of a spectrum, and the other end of the spectrum is involution. So you must involve before evolve, I should say. I must involve before I evolve. Here's a question. Yeah. Do you think Already, you've just... <laughs> ever reached the end of an involution? Like, is I guess that might be what people consider enlightenment. But what's the end goal of in involution? Like, where where do you go? Um, I go to a life that works. So, I'm always involving myself to to well it's my aim anyway so that I might be as conscious as I can be about my daily life with all the people I'm with and um, the people I know and the people I haven't yet met got and, it and how about you for me it's a um, this might be a good segue into our next thing I wanted to talk about which is discovering who you really are and when I finished reading that book, um, The Untethered Soul, which I have right here. Yeah. Because it was like my, it was the spiritual book by Michael Singer. I don't even, yeah, I guess it would be definitely spiritual. Um, but for some reason when I read it, it became clear how he described it, the idea of the soul and who you are as far as this entity that's not attached to anything outside of itself. Okay. So the idea being that no matter what situation I am in, even in the cruddiest situation, that I don't lose sight of that truth. And in that way, I'm unshakable. Whereas before I really felt that way, it was like if, if an identity was taken from me, you know, let's say, um, let's say some, somebody took away the identity that I'm an artist then I would feel lost and I would feel sad. But really, the fact that I'm an artist isn't me. It's just that I think that I'm that or I am that, but it's not me. You Got know? it. Yeah, it's one way you express, but it's not. It's one way you express. Right. But it's not you. Exactly. And I had this experience of, of separating myself from my thoughts after reading this book, and it became so powerful because I finally like felt it more than knowing it. You know what I mean? I think so. So 
the idea is you're a soul. You're brought into the world as this consciousness, and you immediately have to identify in the world to be stable. So you connect to your body as a baby. That's your first like level of identity. Okay. And then you start to form an identity. You're that. You're David. You you have a mom. Um, you have a dad. You know you're one of ten kids. You like the color black. Whatever it might be. And so this forms like a safety net that you feel like stable in the world. You have boundaries. You feel like like you're secure. And when one of those things is taken, you wobble. But the reality is that's not you. You're still that center being, right? And so this includes thoughts too. Okay. So let's say you're thinking something I'm or, or emotions. I'm angry. And those are not you either because of even the words when you say, I am angry, right? It's like, who's angry? Who's the I that's angry? There's obviously a, a dichotomy there. Two things are happening, the I and the anger. Okay. And I always got that conceptually, but not until I read this book did I see it in a way that I could look at it almost like it was on a movie screen, which is how he describes it. Like, look at it as if it's playing in front of you, your thought, like on a movie screen. And you can objectively look at it like the observer and then say to yourself, is this thought serving a purpose? If it is, can I move forward with it to solve it? Is it just something that I'm complaining about and it serves nothing but to waste energy? If so, let it go. And when I could see it that way, it became very clear that it wasn't me and I could let it go. And it was very moving, like, whoa, I am that person, I am that soul that's there as, as the center and everything else is my choice to decide if I want to take it on and, and either create something with it or not use it as my energy anymore. And so with that mindset, I could be, my goal is to be anywhere. You know, I don't need to, I need, don't need to look for something. I don't need to make something happen. I just need to sit in that centerness and let it happen around me. And it, it is. So do you have any, <laughs> can you give me real life examples? Yes. So I use this example. I think I brought it up in our class. Um, but I woke up because my daughter was crying. Yes. This was the first time I felt it. And I was immediately annoyed. Like, she's up. She's It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. I really um, want to How old is your sleep. daughter, by the way? She's 2. Okay, good. So that she, helps. She normally sleeps during the night. But, you know, this time she woke up. And I look over at my husband. And he sleeps through anything. So I was kind of annoyed at my husband. And I was having all this self-talk, like, I'm going to go get her up, then I'm not going to be able to fall back asleep because once I'm up, I can't go back to sleep. And then I thought, you know what? What's really happening? <laughs> like, what's really happening? None of this anger is real. That's not real. That's me saying I'm angry. But really what's happening is it's one, she's awake. I need to go put her to sleep. My husband didn't do anything wrong. He's just sleeping. And so when I separated all those emotions from the actual tangible situation at hand which is just yeah. simple then I just resolved it and I fell back asleep in five minutes <laughs> it wasn't a whole thing cool that, that's small right so I'm imagining this can happen in bigger things and it's like a muscle that you kind of have to keep practicing I wonder if that has um, any relation to the Buddhist tenet that um, attachment is the root of all suffering I think so and when we detach or unattach, uh, we have a tendency to be free. Mm -hmm. And the attachment is that you think what's happening, your story about what's happening is what's happening. But what's happening is your daughter's awake, what's happening is it's one o'clock, 
what's happening is uh, that your husband's sleeping. Your story is not what's happening. Right. But the story is often what the suffering is too. Right. Hmm. I wonder if anybody listening to this has <laughs> any idea what we just said. I think they do. Okay, good. But until this point, I'd always thought when people said, you are not your thoughts, what I would do is I would think about something. I'd have like a negative thought like, I don't know, you know, uh, David doesn't like me. I just sense it. He doesn't like me. <laughs> and then I would take that thought. I'm okay, that's not a very good thought. It's a negative thought. And I would analyze it further with my thoughts. So it's like I knew it wasn't a thought that I should have, but then I'm using more thoughts to actually look at the thought. And the reality is for this to work, you really have to take yourself behind the thought, like like fall behind it so you can look at it like a movie. And that's what you were doing at one o'clock in the morning? Yes. And when you can do that, when you can create the space, that's when it can float away. If you're going to use more chatter to chat about the bad thought, it won't go away. You won't be able to look at it correctly. Mm-hmm. So that was what I discovered. What was the, <laughs> the, the Yeah, that's the question of where I would like to involve. So, so far I've been able to do that with small things like that. But um, thoughts in general are easy for me to kind of associate in the way of a movie screen. Yeah. But emotions are not as easy. That's somewhere I still need to master this technique. Like um, if somebody somehow stirs up anger in me, it's hard for me to look at the anger like the movie screen. Yes. But if I just have a random negative thought about somebody walking, like I notice I'm judging somebody, that's easy for me to step away from and say, whoa, really, is that doing any good? No, let's get rid of it. But the emotion part, that's harder. <laughs> so I have no empirical data to back this up. I have a, a hunch. I have a hunch that uh, what you just described could be um, pretty prevalent in our American society as a whole because we've stopped saying things such as, I think, instead we say, I feel. Like, I, we don't say... I think what's happening is, what we say is, I feel what's happening is. Mm. We say, um, I feel like she doesn't like me, as opposed to, I think she doesn't like me. And I wonder if um, we're removing ourselves from the ability to master um, what's going on in our noggin. I'm not sure where to take this, but, but that's something that just popped, popped at me. So next time you say that, I'll point it out. How's that? Okay. And, and then we'll go from there. Okay. So what are we talking about today? Well, along this concept, I I wanted to discuss prayer um, because I just finished listening to a podcast. Um, What's his name? Larry Dossie. Larry Dossie. And he is a physician, right? Yes. And he did a bunch of studies, um, clinical studies, to prove that prayer actually has an effect on people who are being prayed for. So these studies, um, you know, the people aren't aware that they're being prayed for. So they're in the dark. So there's, you know, a control group that's not being prayed for and a a group that is being prayed for. Okay. And the results are fairly consistent that the people that are being prayed for, when they're not aware of being prayed for, are healing, are getting better. And this is now included, and I think he said 90 different hospitals are taking on this idea and a program with prayer. And... um, I just found that fascinating because part of, you know, science of mind that we follow is a lot about this idea of one consciousness 
and that my mind is not just locked in my brain. In fact, it's just a part of the universal mind. So my mind is your mind and it's the mind of the listener. And so my thoughts and my prayers may have an effect on you, right? Yeah. So while you're speaking, um, the, the, the view I have is that there isn't my mind and your mind and the almighty mind and our listener's mind. There's only mind. And there's your use of this mind and our listener's use of this mind and my use of this mind, um, like a bunch of interconnected computers, let's say. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, when you, let's say, pray, and we might have to define what prayer is, but when you pray, um, I, being connected to you, am part of the movement of this prayer, even if I don't know it. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. But what is prayer? I don't know. That's. I think it's, ta for me, prayer is tapping into the universal oneness in a kind of, fashion that allows me to surrender to it so um what comes to mind is like the biblical saying thy will be done yeah if i focus on your healing i'm saying may the best possible outcome for your healing happen um and then i trust i trust in it but it's fully focused with all my intention and all my love towards you or towards whatever I'm trying to pray for. Use the word love. So um, could there be a bad prayer? Could there be a cursed prayer? Can we? Well, he did mention this. Oh, Do he did? Dossie. Tell me, what did he say? Um, he said it's hard to prove clinically because there's a law, <laughs> which makes sense in the medical field, that they can't um, test mm. something that might harm a human, right? Yes, they're, 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 they're what, hippo, hypocritic. Hippocratic oath. oath. <laughs> yes. Do no harm. Do no harm. So if there's a potential, this would actually backfire and harm. But they have done it with bacteria and some other living organisms and actually have found truth to it. Hmm. That the thoughts can, in fact, deteriorate bacteria and can have an effect on that way. So there might... But he does claim, and we don't know, this is like... He, he says it's a lot like... Penicillin. They got. They understood it worked, but they didn't understand how it worked until yeah. a while later. So yeah. right now we're at the stage where we see that it's got some effect. Yeah. We're not exactly sure why or how it works, but there is something you know with the placebo effect that I'm sure you could go with, and the nocebo effect, which to me might be the negative thoughts producing a the negative. The nocebo effect. is that what they call it? They call it the nocebo effect. Wow. So what do you think of prayer? Um, well, that's what I think. What do you think of prayer? You're I, the preacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I think of prayer, it's always important for me to, and I, I still, even after two and a half decades, um, before I enter into prayer, I remind myself what it is that I'm doing. So I'm not just automatically, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee, blessed art thou. Right. Like I'm on purpose. So you set an intention? Would you say? Most, uh, yeah, I suppose so. But mostly, um, I guess that's where the involution comes at play. I, uh, I remind myself what it is that I'm doing and why I'm doing what I'm about to be doing and for whom I'm doing what I'm about to be doing. And 
I, I cannot separate the idea of prayer with my, I cannot separate it from my personal integrity. Um, because for, for me, for me, prayer is, is like speaking my word. Like when I was a kid, my dad, my dad would make a contract with the neighbor to, my dad was borrowing some money to pay for a fence. He didn't have the money to put a fence around our property. And I remember watching, I was very young, but I watched the contract my dad had. And the contract was his hand as a handshake. He gave his word. He would pay back the man who loaned us the money. And so um, when I talk about integrity, it's, uh, it's, it's very distinct from morality. Like you're a good person because you have integrity and you're a bad person because you don't have integrity. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking more like the integrity on the bottom of my boat. My boat hull has integrity. It has no cracks, therefore it won't sink. Mm. It has integrity. And, and um, if, my, if I'm a, a man who keeps my word, like if I say I'm going to do something and then I do it by when I said I was going to do it, then my life seems to have integrity, which also means that prayer, which for me is simply speaking my word about or for somebody, when I pray or speak my word, I expect it's going to produce results because I actually have the habit and the experience of seeing that what I say happens. Did that make sense to you? I think so. Kind of? So moving through the world with integrity, that strength of following through with your word, gives your word more power. Right? Yeah, for me personally. that. Even even if I removed it from a cosmic sense, let's say, but I know I know that when I, for example, if I say to people, um, "Yeah, I'll join you tomorrow," my friends know I'm going to be there tomorrow because I have proven over and over and over that when I say something, I do it, mm-hmm. or when I say something, it's hap- it happens. And um, do you have friends who say, "Oh, yeah." Yeah, I'll, yeah. Well, I'm going to join you, and you just know that at the last minute they're going to cancel. Yes, I think I used to be more like that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anybody who wasn't. I was like that I was, too. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that um, I was actually inventing my own life with my words, and that's to me what prayer is. Prayer is inventing, inventing something with words. I have a quote that I was searching Great. through my phone, and you just reminded me of it. And it says, it just fits it so well. It says. Every time you say you want something and then deny yourself of it. Every time you commit to something and don't follow through. And every time you promise yourself never again and find yourself right back at the again, you literally teach yourself not to trust your own word. That's exactly what I'm saying. I and, know. And prayer is for me, in a simple way, your word. So, um, this is why I you won't catch me on Facebook or Instagram or any other social site or even email saying, yeah, I'll pray unless I really mean I'm going to pray. So question. Yes. So I totally jive with the whole integrity word. I get it. I'm moved by it and I agree with it. Now, what do you actually pray for? Do you use Uh, your word to say, I hope Jack doesn't have a heart attack or his heart heals or do you do more of what I was saying the general may the best outcome that is supposed to happen happen oh you always Katie you always want to go there you always want to go dive deep you never just want to <laughs> enter the shallow end okay well because I 
battle this concept I of know. prayer all the time. I know. So let's go to thy will be done. Most of us are familiar with that phrase, thy will be done. And for some of us who have the idea that God is a person um, judging or monitoring or um, uh, observing us, um, its will may be distinct or different than mine. Its will may be opposed to mine. So that can be troublesome. But it is important to have context. So you just... The context I want to give is mostly my prayers are thy will be done, although I don't actually say thy will be done, but that's the spirit of it because thy will is always for life, for expression, for freedom, for transformation. So you're going to win no matter what. Right. Mostly the prayer is removing the, the, the heaviness and darkness and clouds of doubt and sadness and sorrow and tragedy. Does that mean I'm always going to get um, a new Porsche? Like, if, if, am I praying for a Porsche, let's say? Well, I'm not going to say that while we're recording, but secretly I might. <laughs> so um, you're saying you are, kind of? Praying for a Porsche? <laughs> <laughs> a well, red one that's glittery? <laughs> I, no, it won't be glittery, but I will have a Porsche again in this lifetime, I'm sure of it. But let me go back to... Are we going to erase that? Can we... We're not going to scrub this, right? No, I don't even know how to really... I could figure it out, but it would take... So the beauty, for you listeners, the beauty of um, the beauty of Katie's and my ignorance is that what you hear is what you get. Yes. Yeah, unfiltered, raw. Um, you know, Katie, uh, there are people who are praying today that their cousin cousin's diagnosis does not come back pancreatic cancer. It's a real thing today. Another real prayer request today is um, for the family of somebody who's going to be taken off life support. Now, what would my prayer be for those things? Okay. First off, um, this is where I on purpose literally need to take a moment to remember who it is that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that I, so that I can speak my word. So I can pray, let's say, from a place of powerful expression, free from sorrow or fear or worry. And what my prayer might be, let's say, for that family that's um, not wanting to take their beloved off of life support, I would, I would um, pray that there's nothing wrong here, that they have the experience that life is eternal and everything is okay, even in the presence of not being okay. Long time ago, I might have prayed that they're not being taken off life support, or they have like a Lazarus jump out of the bed and walk kind of thing, and that's always possible. Um, but I have no drive anymore to, let's say, manipulate the outcome. Is that? Am I answering your question? Uh, you are. Um, I was just curious. That's I think where I'm leaning to with prayer too. Even recently, when um, I called you and my mom was sick she had a complication with a surgery um i'm pretty sure she doesn't mind me talking about this but i wanted to pray for her and i wanted to pray sincerely and with my full heart engaged in the prayer as if i was almost uniting with her soul in the process and through that i couldn't bring myself to ask let's say i mean 
God or the power, whatever, the uniting force. Again, I have trouble naming it. But I couldn't find this this feeling of comfort in saying, can she, can the clot disappear? Or can this thing go away? And I had more genuine feeling when I surrendered to it and said, I trust that the best outcome will come and I trust in her strength and her body's ability to heal. And I will send my love to her ability. I know she has the ability to heal and, and channeling it in a positive way without trying to be my own God, like my own master of the universe, because that seems presumptuous. seems like I think I'm bigger than I am or I don't understand the complexity at play. And the complexity is that I don't know what's better for the universe. It might be that she wouldn't make it through and maybe there is some, she did, she's great now. <laughs> but I mean, there, there might be some reason that I don't understand. And so in that way, I'm always humbled and I feel like I shouldn't say, God, give me the red Porsche kind of thing. You know what I mean? Hmm. <laughs> Wow, uh, what what is our next topic going to be? Since we're covering, it's only going to be downhill from here. Downhill. Well, since she did say, well, this might be too much. We might just bite this. Off. This might be too much to to bite off. But you did say you hope people in the in the most sincere, dire circumstances of prayer, when they're really asking, let's say, for somebody to get off life support, and your prayer is to hope that they have peace. In, in their hearts for whatever the outcome shall be. May they trust in the fear and everything dissipate and acceptance happen, right? So where do you think that the soul does continue on? Does it, if I, if I lose somebody, do I lose them? Or is there a bigger picture? You know, um, when you read those science books that you are so fond of, Surely you must have read somewhere in there about many things happening at exactly the same time. And when you get into the world of, of quantum physics, let's say, and so many other areas that I understand very little about, there really is no there and here. So there, there are our margins. I have the experience that our margins are leaky. Hmm. Like it doesn't look like you really just end at the edges of your skin. I think the, the margins are leaky. And so um, people who have, quote, gone on, end quote, gone where? Um, I think they're just as equally present here as they were. But my my view of them is distinct or different. Well, now, now I can get too airy-fairy with this. <laughs> what was your question? Well, when you're telling someone to be peaceful at the end of someone's life, I think there's an ability to feel peace if you believe there's something after. A lot of the fear and the ability to not let people go, I think, is in part because we're not sure what happens, right? I would love to think that... Most of us aren't even sure what's happening now. Yeah. Like, even in front of us. For example, you were laying in bed and the baby was crying and it was one o'clock in the morning and... You had all these stories about what was happening when in reality it was just one o'clock, the baby was crying and your husband was asleep. Right. So I don't presume to know what's on the other side, except I know there's a lot of stuff going on right now that I cannot see or hear, but it can be measured if I had the right tools. 
you know, the universe is full of action and activity, most of which we know nothing about. Right. I see hope in that, not hope, but I see, I like the line between science and spirituality and the idea that he can measure the effectiveness of prayer, right? Indicates to me that there's something beyond, obviously, our bodies. If my thoughts can empower you, they are leaving me. They're somewhere else getting to you. And what is that? And where am I? So there's, yeah, like you said, I like the idea of it, the boundaries being leaky. And it's um, interesting to me. And I definitely see that signs within science now that are even pointing to what, the you know, the theologians have said for centuries, right? Which I like that because I would love those two worlds to combine. Um, Let me go back to prayer. I, for those of you who are listening, if um, if somebody has a blood clot, um, I have no hesitation praying for the dissolution of that clot. I mm-hmm. personally, I'm cool with it. Because if the clot doesn't want to be dissolved, it ain't going to be moved by my word. And if it's there simply because of ignorance or trouble that could have been averted, then why couldn't my word, why couldn't my prayer dissolve it? Okay, so if the clot is there and it's not going to go away, then there's nothing you could do about it. But if it was there as a manifestation of some sort of misalignment in the body that could, how could... How could you know? <laughs> How could I know? How could you know one way you're solving it, but the other way? I don't know. It's not solved. It was just going to happen. <laughs> it it just seems to me. I have this like this. It's almost like the measure of how do we measure values, and how do we teach values? They're caught, not taught. Like we catch them, and there's some things we innately know that are not in alignment with, let's say, people's best. Like, like just, wow, you know what? Now I know what's going on in my body right now. This is a lot of theory. What's going on is a lot of, like we're having a theoretical conversation. Mm. And Should we get off the theory? Um, <laughs> well, I, I'm not always inclined to pray for things that I want, let's say, because the truth is, I don't really know what's going to occur for me as happiness when I get it. So so praying for things so that it might fill some void in me, I'm disinclined to do that. But if somebody's... There are people who actually have remissions and healings and um, miraculous transformations physically I believe that's possible and there's nothing in me that thinks that I can't be a part of that and you said something very telling Um, I think people don't know who they are if people really knew who they were they wouldn't have quite the trouble that they have Hmm. I mean like who am I to pray for somebody else well who am I not to right huh I wonder what people listening to this think, <laughs> if they're still listening. Yeah, they're listening. Um, that's a good question. Who am I not to? It's obvious that we are connected, or to me it's obvious. And I think that I I just want to trust that what I'm praying for is in alignment with the 
with with the way the universe exists in harmony and so by praying in a way that allows trust or faith in the fact that I want your body or your soul to be receptive as much as possible to your authentic story that needs to happen. I wonder if it's possible that different types of prayer can produce results depending on the person. For example, um, my experience of you, Katie, is you move through the world like the world is really an amazing place. You're curious, you're observant, you're cheerful, um, you like to explore. You have an innate trust that life is good. So I'm imagining, story I made up about you, is you wouldn't necessarily have to pray for things because things naturally occur for you as pretty darn good. And when they don't, um, you meet those things with a sense of cheerfulness and um, ease that allows it to either improve or go away. So I can see why you wouldn't have to pray for things. And there are people who are who don't have the experience of the world being necessarily a safe or sweet or um, supportive place. And they produce results by praying for specific things to occur. I wonder if like dance, different people dance differently. I wonder if different personalities pray differently. Hmm. I wonder if, if it's possible that there's not only one way to do it. I'm sure. I, I think it probably is a, is a, a workable model if it's coming from a pure place of love you know I think if you're praying for a car to fulfill a need to be better than your neighbor it's not coming perhaps from the place of love that you know might not produce the results that you're looking for um, but I don't have an answer I, I also think of uh, Joe Joe Dispenza. Yeah. And he has a whole other philosophy. He thinks you go ahead, produce the thoughts that you already have, the red Porsche, live your life like you're driving it already, and because you're thinking it so holy and so your whole body believes it, that it'll actually manifest because you have already put it in your subconscious, you've been repeating it on the daily, you have become it, you you're the man with the red Porsche, and by golly you're gonna get it if you put it, you know, if and, you go all in. And that's not your style. It's not my style, but I think I think I might may, try it. <laughs> I just don't know if I could try it. But I think it's, I get why it would work. I kind of get why it would work. So then I'm just, I'm contradicting my <laughs> so beliefs. I have a, I have a question before. for you. Are we accomplishing what you wanted to in today's? I don't know. Are we? I'm just enjoying being here. <laughs> I, I really am I just, quickly learning to love this time. I love it too. And I mean, prayer is a big topic of spirituality. And I'm, um, I think I talked a lot this one, but I just am always perplexed by it. Like on one hand, I want to dive all in and really just pray and pray and pray. And then on the other hand, I want to be at one with what is and believe that everything is perfect even when it's not right and to have that mindset and to um find the peace that i'm looking for like to wrap it around to the beginning in that in that person that's not attached to anything so you 
the reason I think that I'm becoming a happier person and I wasn't always as happy is because I don't, I don't need to have things met to see what I want to see because the truth of the matter is I am, I'm already that soul, right? Yes, yes. So the world doesn't move around me. I move around the world. So my life, because I'm happy, I could be living the same parallel life as the unhappy person. We could be doing the exact same thing. The same person cut us off in traffic. The same line I got in the supermarket's going way slower than the line next to me that I didn't choose. I still dropped the apple juice jar, shattered into a million pieces. I still lost my job. I still, you know, woke up with a headache. I still did all these things that, if you choose to look at it, could become a shitty day. Yeah. But you just don't hang on to it. Or it just became a day. That's just just what happens. My sister Ruth (laughs) died one year ago today. And uh, my sister Peggy died 19 years ago today. Oh, it was today? Today. And, Both of your sisters died. And on it's funny, um, what, like, like somebody who, they felt sad today, they cried today, they dropped the apple juice today, they it shattered today, they stood in a long line today. That's a shitty day. Well, maybe to my sister Ruth and sister Peggy, that'd be a pretty amazing day. Right? Because they don't even have the opportunity to drop the jar well, of apple. That's what I was um, thinking with the meditation practice that we've been doing with breathing. Yeah. When I focus on how special the breath actually is, like, man, every inhale feels like a gift. Like, and when I focus on that, I can stick with the breath a lot longer. Because, like you said, there's people who don't aren't here today, you know, and they were here yesterday. And this breath is such a gift. And I'm focusing just on that simple gift over and over. Shall we? The next time we talk, should we talk about the nocebo? The nocebo effect. Are we keeping? Are we keeping a note? Are we keeping notes? Oh yeah, I don't know. How about those of you who are listening? <laughs> what, if you'd like us to chat about something, or you're curious about something, or you have an opinion about something, um, let us know somehow. Yes, you know, we did reach one person that wasn't a part of our in close knit group. Yeah, can you tell me who was that? Her name's Penelope. Hi, Penelope. And, what a cool um, name. We've actually actually found me on Facebook too, and we were messaging, and she loves you. And I said, yeah, you're all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're okay, too. <laughs> He's all right. But she had some good insights, so maybe we, next time we could bring that up. Do and, I know her? Um, I don't think you know her yet. She might have just followed you on Instagram, but you need ah. to get on that a little more. I do, okay. Yeah. but um, What picture shall I put on there? That's... Yeah, put something, engage with people. Okay. But I, um, I just, she kind of represents what I want this to grow into. Like, uh, I'm, people from all over the world come and just tell us what your thoughts are, what topics you want. Because I'm sure we're going to run out of topics eventually. <laughs> or not. Or not. Or we'll not. just keep rambling. Um, but yeah. Okay, so anyway. uh, Penelope and anyone else who wants to let us know, what would you like us to chat about? I love the name Penelope. Penelope, though. I know. It's pretty cool. And she lives in this cute little house up in the mountains and has this cute studio with this cute little light. It looks just so picturesque. Anyway. <laughs> How are we on time? We probably should shut it down. I don't know. The time went kind of wonky, but I'm sure this is long enough. Um, so should we say we're going to pray for everybody or not? <laughs> I don't say I'm going to pray for someone unless I'm actually going to do it. Can you do a universal like humanity prayer, though? Oh, you want me to do that now? No, in general. Of course. We could say we can do that. Of course. And we'll do that. 
I'll do it. I would do that. All right, we'll just do it. We promise we'll do a universal prayer for humanity. Well, my uh, our lesson this coming Sunday, February 24, 2019, in San Jose, is, um, is uh, the com- what is the common good? And so today I was beginning to prepare the lesson and I was looking at, um, at um, how do you move mountains for other people. And one of the best ways and easiest way is you need to see from their vantage point first. And anyway, no, that's a whole that's a different whole, whole different podcast. My initial question would be how do you see from their vantage point? Well, if you tune in on Sunday, I'll... I'll tell All you. right. Well, okay. I've well, actually learned. You've learned. I can't I wait to hear. Okay. We will. We're trying to do this once a week, Thursdays. Hopefully. Cool. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.